Welcome to the Weekly Offload, a podcast that discusses serious rugby league topics with a dash of dark humour. Welcome to the Weekly Offload. So I'm here with NRLW expert Achilles Byrne. G'day. So we're going to do something a little bit different today, Achilles. So normally we're straight into the footy, but I thought if you're a first-time listener, maybe they'd like to know what it's like to be Achilles in the off-season. So what did you get up to, mate? <laughs> mate, just a bit like yourself, my beautiful partner, Vicky, she went back home Vickers? to England. Vickers? <laughs> she went back home to England for four weeks. So I had all the time in the world, which was absolutely amazing. And I may or may not have put 200 hours on FIFA. <laughs> um, and then what do you yeah what do you watch when the footy's not on what do you and Vicky watch when the footy's not on mate we are obsessed with two shows the original show that we've been watching for the past year is um, the show called Alone um, so they take it's a survival show so they take 10 contestants out to the wilderness they're only allowed to take like 10 items and try to survive on that mate and, and I think Australia did one in Tasmania but um, we went right back to the OGs and we went to the very first episodes over in Vancouver. Mate, they got to tackle um, brown bears, wolves, um, the cold, and, yeah, try to survive on just 10 idols, mate. It's, it's totally fantastic. It makes you realise how good we've got it. That actually sort of sounds up our alley. So we're either reality TV or murder. <laughs> so it's either like Love Island UK or it's like, I slept with my mother, but I <laughs> killed my father. What do I do? So we either like very extreme, so two different. Obviously, mm. with uh, now having my daughter, we can't watch as much uh, murder unless yeah. it's sort of, you, you can't really see anything, you know, and she mm. doesn't know what's going on. But we yeah. hardly watch you. We wait till she falls asleep. But <laughs> yeah, we either love like really crappy reality TV or like a good cry. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that you love like the, the, the corny um, love TV. When me and my missus uh, fall in love with the, uh, that's the second show is uh, Love on the Spectrum. So amazing. It's so wholesome, mate. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about like uh, uh, people with autism trying to find or some sort of special needs trying to find love. And it's just, mate, if you, if you watched it, um, yeah, I did say you can see how, how honest and true they are. And, you know, I may or may not have a tear in my eye. When you're watching it. Um, it's like you said off the podcast too, there's no chance of them lying or not mm. being in for love. So I think it is a good reality show just yeah. because you know these are the true people, you know. Mm. They're not trying to put something on. Like, obviously, we watch Married at First Sight, but, <laughs> man, some of the scenes, like, lately, I said to Polly, I'm like, do you even know, is that really happen? <laughs> or, like, you know, the way they cut it, it's like a guy uh, says something and then the girl, like, replies. And in, in, when he said it, it's in the day. And when it comes back, it's in the it's night. In, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's like, so and then you have all these people online <laughs> saying, oh, you know, there are mm. this, there are that. And it's like, you don't know how much, like, it's, well, we know how much it is. Is heavily edited. Yeah. Well, the, the good the good thing about love on the spectrum, there's no filter. It's like it's just unfiltered. So they just say how they feel, and I mean, it's just everything that comes out of the mouth it comes from the heart, you know. So, um, and it's and and it's always good to find like there's some people on there. There's a guy I think on there we're watching now on season one, the US version. He's like. 
63 years old and he's never ever held a girl's hand before so wow. yeah and then um on his first date it was just you know because they get coaches to say like tell them what to say like even open open the car door or slide back the chair and even pay for the bill you know so um yeah and just watch them it's like a butterfly growing wings right i know it sounds cliche but it's it, it was beautiful and yeah it's it's so wholesome i like when they sort of get over the date and then they just tell them yeah like you know what i mean imagine <laughs> yeah. if like everyone just did that so you're on a date and then about halfway through they're like actually i'm not really feeling this yeah. like whatsoever and then sort of it just gets a bit awkward yeah, from yeah. there doesn't yeah. it um but yeah we love polly and i love that show as well as you, like you said you feel good watching it and it's i think you feel like everyone in the show has good intentions, which is, yeah, with reality TV, it's mm. it's not really. Um, it's sort of to make someone look foolish or be the villain. Mm, exactly. That's like the way it is nowadays. So, yeah, that is a great, yeah. uh, great show, mate. So now the footy's back, obviously the trials are back. Yep. Uh, I was saying to you off the podcast, I, I just with the preseason trials, I just like to see a final. I just don't like how it's – I would rather if they – let's say, for example, they said that these are trials and they're standalone matches and they're on TV. I'd be like, fair enough. But, you know, with the preseason challenge, they sort of say, oh, it means so much and you get the 100K, but it's really nothing. But I personally would like to see a final just to make it mean something. But I also know you made a good point. Well, what about the already schedule that they talk about? Yeah. It's well, a little bit hard. I, I agree with you. Like, you know, it seems – it seems pretty pointless. You, you 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 do two weeks and then all of a sudden it's all on the points. So it's more like you know the EPL. You know, it's like a point sort of system. But I I, I agree with you. I do I do understand what, how clubs feel like. You know, it's a long season for their players. But I think it, it get it's a great to showcase. You know, usually the younger kids usually when they it is trial, you get the under twenty ones or the reserve grades on there. So as a fan's point of view, like more footy the better. Um, and as as a, a up emerging star, you want to be playing in the in, in in the big 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 stage, you know. So, um, but again, you know, what happens if someone gets a, a season ending injury? So, um, I, I'm like you. If 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 they can find a way to protect the players a little bit it, with, with fatigue and injuries, and um, they can sort of turn into a mini competition, it's great. Yeah, and then it, well, speaking about like you said, getting opportunity, obviously. We were saying like Roosters and Souths, it wasn't a spectacle mm. when you think about it because obviously both teams are already in Vegas. So yeah. it's it was a bit of a tough game to watch. But I mean, if you're a younger player and it's your first time, I think Vossi said that on the broadcast, if it's your first time on Fox Sports, yeah. like imagine your your uncles, your aunties, mum, dad, yeah. like watching that game, you're going to be, <laughs> for them, it's amazing to play. And it gives them a shot to pl- place their claim to be in the side later, doesn't it? Absolutely. And one major thing that I love about the trial matches is they they bring the game to the smaller areas. Like, so, like, I think the real winner on, on Friday night was the fans at Belmore Stadium because, you know, again, Belmore, I don't know if anyone's been there, but to watch a game down in, in the heart of Belmore is amazing. It's like, it's a bit like Leichhardt feel, you know, everyone, you're on top of the game, you know, you, you've got, you've got like everyone sitting on the hill um, screaming at each other. So, um, and again, it's, again, it's a positive thing for, you know, the younger generations to come through and, um, at, you know, footy wins in the end of the day. Can I tell you a secret, Achilles? <laughs> yeah. I've never been there. Oh, really? <laughs> nah. Oh, never mate, been to as Belmont. a Parramatta supporter, 
I think because they're, you know, when Bulldogs moved to Homebush, that's when mm. I sort of started watching footy. Yeah. So now that they've gone back to Belmore, whenever they play para, because it's so small, yeah. I don't think they'd ever put it there. But I should go to like a troll or something because I've heard, obviously, oh. it's like going back in time and really amazing atmosphere, you know, out yeah. there. So. It, it, for me, it brings back like the 90s and the 80s feel, you know, going going down. You just see the streets of Belmore blocked off. You see, you know, the, 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 the police waving cars around. And you know, it, it's just it's just walking to the stadium, and um, it, you just see see a blue and gold, you know, um, uh, blue and blue and white. Sorry, um, and then like yeah, you're sitting right on top of each other, and yeah, around with the um, the locals. So it's, it's amazing. You just did actually, you know, Reed Marnie did that in their press conference. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. After the game, he goes off for the loyal uh, blue and gold, and oh. then <laughs> pe- uh, jokingly, people were giving it to him because obviously he come from Para last yeah. year. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's easy to mix it up. And then you got, like you said, putting it at smaller stadiums or in the country. Yeah. And then this game, um, so Knights uh, Melbourne is at uh, Fiji. It's yeah. In Fiji. So I mean, Beautiful. it's another good place to to go. You know, the Pacific Islands. I mean, they're talking about having a team there, so it makes sense um, to sort of go. But yeah, Roosters like they knocked over. Uh, South 46-10, so it's pretty mm. easy game for them. We probably won't analyze it too much just because no disrespect to the younger players, but obviously uh, yeah. it's hard to for Souths, for example, you can't bag them because their whole yeah. side's in Vegas right now, playing slot machines, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they're all in Vegas. But dog, we can talk a bit more about dogs, um, sharks. It, yeah. It's disappointed me a little bit because mm. I've said on this podcast I want dogs to do better this year and Braith and Asta was spewing after the match like because he's an old doggy he yeah. was uh, yeah he was really annoyed just in the fact that I think the way they attacked he said like yeah. it, it just looked kind of like last year but I suppose you got to give them like the time they've made the whole new squad the whole team is, is new, new. Yeah, 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 like, yeah they're probably in yesterday's game I don't know. I'd have to count it, but to me, it looked like half the team was new. Yeah. Um, well, 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 for me, I'm going to harp on this every time we talk about the dogs. I, I think they should definitely shift Burton out of the halves. Um, Crichton got like 20 minutes in the game. He looked fantastic. He put a couple of big shots on, and he um he, he got the captaincy. So you know, he look he looks really good at center. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put him at fullback. I know he wants to play fullback, but he just absolutely murdered him in, in center. Um, Bronx and Sherry look good as well. Um, but I just think, I, I think the, the Sharks, even though like the second half was a little bit scrappy, the first half was really physical. Um, I think it was like, uh, eight or 10 minutes and, um, the Sharks only had two tackles in the dog's half. So, um, the dogs did muscle up, but they weren't able to sustain that. Admittedly, they, they took off some of their players, you know, coming into the second half. Um, and then talking about the second half, it was just really scrappy from there, you know. So, But I want to give a shout out. And I think um, Braden Burns, um, uh, sorry, uh, Blake Brayley killed him in the middle for the Sharks. He just got those arrows play. In uh, in Oztag, we call them arrows play. So, like, he'll, he'll jump out of dummy half and you'll get a, you'll get a forward running in in behind the markers. So they were doing that really well and getting the doggies on the back foot. They were just missing a little bit of finesse without Nico Hines there. Um, and I've got a massive rap 
on, on Brighton Trindle, but his kicking game was a bit off yesterday. But to his credit, there was a massive win against him. So his downtown kicks and just a bit of finesse that they were missing without without um, uh, good old Nico Hines there. So, but um, I think they, they they did get outmuscled in the middle again. They they tried hard. They were, they were physical with the dogs, but you know when you've got when you've got Rudolph, you've got um, Oregon Kafusi. He was amazing for him. He, he was a player that like, he played for us uh, for Parramatta, but you don't realise how good he is when he starts playing for another side. He absolutely mm. killed him yesterday. He was mm. so amazing. And then you got like uh, Britton Nakora and, and Royce Hunt. Shout out to Royce Hunt. He absolutely played well. And I think um, those two up front with uh, Kafusi and Royce Hunt. We'll, we'll lay a platform for the rest of the um, competition for the Sharks. I got to say, like I said, we always don't like, we're not on here to bag plays, <laughs> but I got to say, I don't like Hutchinson at halfback. Mm. I think Toby Sexton should play half. I yeah. just found Anasta was pretty critical of him for a trial. <laughs> but I think with Anasta, he actually gets a bit of hate online for people <laughs> saying, oh, he's turned against the dog but I feel like it's not turning against he's just a bit more it's like you're more harsh on your own team like yeah. we're harsh on Parramatta but I think it's just that's what it is and I think when he saw yesterday as I said even though it's a trial but they just weren't trying things yeah. I think yeah. that's what like well, really disappointed him. Well, it sort of backs up my claim about there's no creativity like yeah. with Burton the six, right? With Hutchison, he's like your your ball ball running and ball playing sort of bigger five eight. Now, if you have to force, he has to force and try to play make, and he does, he's not that he's not that player. You know, if you had Sexton at seven and him Hutchison at six, and again, I think I spoke about it on last podcast where I'd move Salmon out of and and, and bring in. Um, uh, the Josh Curran. Curran. As soon as he came on, set up a try. Yeah, I did say that. So it was like it, there was more dimension in that forward pack because Reed Money and him would play great together. He could be like that sweeper for you know that number thirteen that sweeps out the back, and it and it it was it worked it worked well. You know? Yeah, I don't mind like because with dogs. Let's say I think Phil Gould probably knows that, like mm. what you're saying about Burden. Because if you look, they bought Salmon, they bought Josh Curran, uh, Kurt Mann. It's a lot of play, uh, Taff, a lot of players that I feel like are not playmakers per se, but they do playmake. And I think he knows without coming out and saying it, it's mm. sort of a, a, a subtle way to, to do it. He's bought all these players yeah. from other clubs that are a bit of playmakers. So instead of like, them coming out and saying, oh, we're going to drop Burden, for example, mm. or change his position. And then people saying, oh, but he's on this much money. I think he's he's gone out and subtly bought these players. So I think if they can, if even if I agree, I actually think your idea is good. Like you've turned me around to it mm. of um, moving Burton. But I was thinking at least if they put Toby Sexton at halfback yep. and then Taft can play make. Yeah. And Burton can just run first and then pass second. I think that might be all right with um, like Salmon or um, Salmon and um, Josh Curran yeah. interchanging on that um, that lock. Well, as soon as I Curran think. as soon as Curran came on um, and sort of was like creative in the middle, Burton like ran first and he almost you know almost scored a try, almost set up another try. So Burton's a run. He's an extensive instinctive player. So. You just got to tell Bert run first, and then don't try to play make because he is he's a natural 
link, uh, I was going to say link, but um, centre and fullback, yeah? As soon as Curran went on and started ball playing, it just freed up Burton a little bit and he just, he looked amazing. The Burton that we know that played for the Panthers, you know, played played for the State of Origin. So, um, again, I'm going to harp on it again. And Reed Marnie looked really well not bouncing out of dummy half. Like the, with the forwards that they got, there's no disrespect to them, but, like, when you're up against a pack like the Sharks, you know, they've got big forwards, mobile, and, um, you know, with, with Blake Braley in the, in the middle, he was he was the difference that night. It was, it was a close game, and, like, the second half was a lot of mistakes, but it, it was because his um, ruck play in attack was so good, and and it made it just made Reed Marnie just tackled a lot, and you know he's a tackling machine. So um, without without creative players outside Reed Marnie he, in attack, he's like you know doesn't know what to, you know no I don't say what doesn't want to do, but like he's, he's a bit lost, you know. Yeah, the shark the sharks did well, I think. Like, because obviously we were talking about it last week. I think the teams down the bottom, it meant the trials meant more to them to to get a couple yep. of wins up. So it will be interesting, um, even with the like with the Tigers this week, because obviously they got the win over the Warriors last mm. week. I'd like to see. Um, like this week, if they put as much effort into to winning the game, um, yep. I mean, it's going to be. It's a, it's sort of a tough ask to win both um, the like the preseason challenge matches, yeah. but yeah, I think the lower teams are the ones that really need to get the win. And I mean, mm. you look at Storm. Obviously, Storm have knocked over the the Knights here yeah. as well. And I think Storm last week, if you watch their, let's say you're new to rugby league and yeah. you watch their game last week, you'd probably think they're rubbish. Yeah. But then this week, you know, it's been quite pretty clinical, even though uh, Ponga had his moments in the first mm. half, but pretty uh, clinical display. Yeah. Um, and then, so you got, the Warriors are playing the Dolphins. As I said, tough to pick. You got Warriors, Dolphins, you got Seagulls, Broncos, but it's pretty tough to pick the games, isn't it, really? Yeah. But you, you, nev- you never know when, it, when you, especially the Dolphins, like if you look at their lineup and they've got their, you know, under 21 side, because they play up in Queensland Cup, you, you, and if you don't really follow it, you don't know, you know, who, who's, who's who and, um, sort of their stats. So, but um, I think I think they'll try to field a good side. Um, it would be I think this game will be all out attack. Um, I'm, I'll be interested to see if Sean Johnson plays or how many minutes Sean Johnson will get. Um, because you know he is like last year when he wasn't playing, they weren't going good, and he was a bit like um, you know Adam Reynolds. If he's not on the field, they, they lose a little bit of um, lost their way a little bit. So I'll be interested to see how much. Um, Game time, Sean Johnson gets, um, and and see what like what what how the Warriors are like performing. And then you know Raiders. So I had a lot, a fair bit on the radio because I also like I was one of them. I actually said I think I said Raiders will be near the bottom or might come last. Um, <laughs> and then you know obviously the same thing like trial match, yeah. but they've like flogged come out and flogged um, Parramatta. Yeah. So it's a bit of karma for myself, I guess, yeah. in that game. I mean, we started well and then completely yeah. like fell into a massive, massive hole. Or just like a definesse, you know, like yeah, and then. So we played Titans. So if we could chat about Titans for a bit, mm. I'm really interested with the Titans this year for the first time in a while. I, I like Des Hasler. Um, yeah. He's polarizing. I, I think he's like 
the mad scientist they call him, you know. But I, I enjoy, I find his interviews pretty funny. Like he's he's very sarcastic and you know um, yeah. throws the journalists off and yeah. things like that. And I think he's he was a bit unfairly. Uh, criticize that their dog. So he got them yeah. in two grand finals, and then mm-hmm. they, I believe, missed just missed the eight, and they got rid of him. And then that, uh, like, he's sort of blamed yeah. for that slide. But uh, in rugby league, I find that weird. When in the old days, when a coach would leave and then the team would do well the next year, they mm-hmm. would say, "Oh, well, see, it's because of the coach." But nowadays, yeah. a, co- a coach leaves and the team goes worse, and they blame the coach. Like yeah. Wayne Bennett is blamed for nights going bad over those years, and it's like a weird um, opposite. It's sort of opposite to how it used to be. Yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah. Bla- I get it to an extent. You've made the roster, and you mm-hmm. know you're signed the players. But how long Knights fans were blaming Wayne Bennett for like five years? Yeah. after and I'm like come on like yeah. he's not even at well, your I club think, I think when you think of Wayne Bennett you think of the Messiah right I, yeah. I think I, I think I said you something online was like Wayne Bennett's thinking about coming to Parramatta and I was like mate throw the kitchen sink at him you know yeah, what I mean 100%. Um, because Wayne, when you think of Wayne Bennett let's talk about Wayne you, you think of results you know he's probably the best coach that's ever walked the planet um, and yeah, he might be getting on in years, but you you take a seventy seven Wayne Bennett over, you know any any NRL, well, maybe Craig Bellamy, but like you know who who would come close? So, um, and I think they paid this big money, and you know you hear whispers when he was at the nice, like he's getting helicopters here, or he's bought some property there, and he's he's, he's good with that coal mining guy that owned it. So, um, and and when you think of the notifications, the Newcastle Knights, they're so passionate about their footy. So that's all they got, right? Because they live like... <laughs> sorry, sorry. They got beaches. <laughs> but um, no, I, I do understand their passion because it's mm. like, you know, if Wayne Bennett is like that superstar, it would be like Ronaldo going somewhere and he's not performing, but it's like, yeah, you're getting paid, you know, it's like, but he's like 50 years old. You know what I mean? Like, I was so. going to make fun of us Eels fans and say yeah. they got to the 2001 <laughs> grand final too that they could give it to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. I, I mean, I'd take Wayne Bennett if he was a brain in a jar, yeah. you know, <laughs> rather than like over a lot of coaches. But I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, with with Des Hasler, uh, I think he is. You're right. He's fair. He's fairly. Un, uh, he's, it's unfair on him. But when I think of Des Hasler, I think of the footballer first. You know, he's a footballer. He was a damn good footballer as well. Um, and then I think he takes sort of his passion into footy into obviously he does but like um went into his coaching and you can see like because you look at these teams they're all like you know workhorses they're all they're all like uh you know earn your yards and when they lose you can see like him blowing up is sort of thing so it, it, it's no different when he was a captain and playing those days so um i like him as a coach he he does very well but again like yeah it's hard to come into a uh you say, for example, he goes to the Panthers and he's got a different coaching style. So it's hard to uproot our old system and bring in your new systems with, with new coaches. And yeah, it's, but I, yeah, I think he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, it'll be interesting with Kieran Foran because mm-hmm. obviously he's more of a 5'8 and he's playing 5'8 this week. But I do think you probably got to play him at halfback just because the side's so young. Like mm. he needs to, he needs to sort of uh, run around the park because they they actually do have like a lot of young talent, mm. like AJ Brimson, for example. Yep. Um, they got some great young players, but I just mm. think it's just this 
there's no leadership group really at the Titans. Yeah. And it's just kind of been funny ever since they've been an NRL team under different names. Yeah. And they've sort of never had that um, identity, have they? Yeah. Of what, what, like when you think of the Gold Coast Titans, I, I don't really... <laughs> Think of yeah. a playing style. They've they've changed their style a few different times. Mm. Whereas when you think of a low, I know Storm are probably uh, uh, on the other side of the spectrum, but yep. you, you know you think of Melbourne Storm, you know it's going to be eighty minutes, going to be the 100%. grind. E- yeah. Even to an extent, the Dolphins. Uh, I would say the Dolphins have already have more of an identity in one season than um, Titans have since two thousand seven. Yeah. The the Titans. And the dragons seem like similar to me, but mm. the, the Titans are just to edge the you know the, the dragons out. The dragons are, are the same about them. They're trying to struggle to find a bit of identity, um, and and like when they do get anyone good, um, they move on. So it's like well, so why are players staying there? You know, so they'll get like you know, um, and their playing style they get different halves. But you you know, I like. I like what you said. That they're young. I love. I like Tanner Boyd. I think he's a really good halfback, um, and like AJ Brimson at the back. And you know, it's interesting to see um, their forward pack because they're like they're so they're so young. Like it's Big Tino, he's like probably the best one of the best number 13s, if thirteen second row. So um, running around the, the park. So um, they're a different forward pack. They're more athletic, so to speak. Um, they just and like I, I like. Sam Verrill was at number nine for him too. So hopefully hopefully they have a better season. Hopefully they don't, they don't go too good today against Para. But again, it, it's a trial. So I'll be interested to see how much time these guys get and how much time Para get too. So. Yeah. And then before we have, so today we have um, Nicholas Mew. Mm-hmm. So he's a Canadian friend just living outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. So we're going to chat with him next. Um, so listen, keep listening, guys. But I just wanted to be a bit of a negative Nelly. Achilles and say, Mm -hmm. I'm a bit sick of rugby league fans sort of not um, accepting us going to Vegas. Like you see, mostly on Facebook, I'm going to hammer 70 year olds at the moment, but (laughs) it's like people like my dad. Um, But it's like literally on Facebook, oh, why are we going here? It would never work. Like, blah, blah. But if you have that attitude towards everything in life, then nothing will work. Like, we would have never started this podcast. Yeah. If someone said to me, oh, it will never work, then, oh, okay. Well, well, like the, I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no growth in comfort, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm all for the game expanding, whether 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 it falls on its face or it, it becomes successful. At least you know it, it, the guys in the NRL and the top jobs are absolutely trying to do the best. Try try to grow the game, and and the more the more eyes on the game. I think we've said this before. The more eyes on the game, the more the more um you know coverage that we can get. The more the game grows. So it might it might be a ten year plan, but um yeah I'm with you Matthew I I I'm sort of like you know um a bit upset with those closed minded people, but again I understand what they what they they how they feel because you know like when when there's rugby league has gone through a lot of changes through Winfield Cup days and then the Super League come along and then there was it was the ARL then it become the NRL South Sydney came out for like for a while and then they got brought back in so same with the Titans as well Gold Coast Seagulls but then now they're the Titans so um, and then you see the, the, the crashes of like they're the a teams. bit burned do you yeah, think yeah. yeah so it's like mm. if, if I think in their mind is like if it's not broke why fix it right but you, they've got to have in their minds it's not broke we're just trying to expand it 
Yeah, Sorry. like as I said, with the AFL, for example, if they thought about Sydney and Brisbane and thought, "Oh, we'll never go here," mm. you know, because they'll never have a have, we'll never have an identity or we'll never have a footprint yep. in New South Wales or Queensland, then they wouldn't exist. Yeah. So I think it's a tough. But on our next um, segment, yeah, we've got Nicholas, and he's coming on. Uh, he's going to talk about. So he's actually going to the Vegas game mm. next, and I think uh, did you think as well, Achilles, the way he articulated. Uh, Canadian Rugby League, what what sort of got him to watch Rugby League in the future? I mean, I found it interesting yeah. just as a different guest, you know, yeah. than having someone living in Australia. Obviously, we've had um, all of our guests have yeah. lived in Australia so far. Well, oh, sorry, Mark Edmondson. Sorry, mm. Mark. Um, <laughs> but he's been the only one. But I thought, yeah, he might be a little bit different just to come on and give you guys a different perspective. Um, what, do, what do you think yeah, about well, that? We, we pride ourselves as professional fans, right? So it's like... Uh, a fan's point of view that's overseas and um, I, I, I urge you guys to listen to him because he, he's passionate about it and it, it was a great chat. We are here, the weekly offload, and we've got Nicholas Mew, and he's from Toronto in Canada. Um, so, uh, Nicholas, you're headed off to the game in Vegas. Um, so tell us a little bit about that firstly before we chat about uh, Canadian Rugby League and the uh, Wolfpack. Well, right now we're uh, we've got a combination of excitement and anxiety about what's going to happen because we're obviously going to see the NRL. We're really excited about doing that. Uh, for some of us, we've never actually been to Las Vegas. Uh, I, may, I mean, a number of my teammates have. I've never been to Vegas. It does. It hasn't appealed to me until now, um, but it does now. The NRL's there, <laughs> and. Uh, and then there's some other little things that are going on that, well, and some big things that are going on that we're trying to to organize. So there's the Nines Tournament, which is Thursday and Friday. There's the Masters Festival, which is Friday. There's the International between Canada and the States. Men, that's Friday, even later in the day. Um, we've got the NRL on the Sunday uh, and the tailgate party. That's going to be really interesting to see how they do that, how they organize that. Um, I'm seeing lots of chat on social media about how excited people are about that. A fair bit of cynicism too. There's a lot of people saying, you know, we don't know how this is going to go. Maybe we shouldn't show up. And I'm like, you know, you know what? Go out and try it. Go out and see what's there. You know, at least at least make the effort. You know, 90% of success is just showing up. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, and then I've got some other stuff to do as well. Um, uh, you know, my wife's coming with me, and so it can't all be a rugby league weekend. So, uh, <laughs> but we've arranged a couple of tours, and she wants to go to a show, and and then on um, and then on uh, Saturday morning before the NRL, we're going off to renew our our wedding vows. Um, yeah, awesome. so be, it's our thirtieth anniversary this summer. So we thought, let's go do that now. Her concession to me is that all the men in the wedding party are wearing rugby tops, rugby rugby league tops. So I'm going to wear my Canada one. And my best mm. man is no longer called my best man. He is my acting half, and he'll be <laughs> handing me the rugby ball. <laughs> so, so, we, you know, there's all this excitement about seeing and doing all these things. But then there's the anxiety of, oh, let's hope it all pans out. Let's hope it all works. But it's a positive anxiety. Hundred mm, percent, mate. And then, um, so yourself, just give us a quick rundown of how you got into rugby league, mate. Because it's not every day we speak to a Canadian fan, so we're really interested about that. Oh, thanks. Well, it started when I saw 
um, on the CBC, which is the, the Canadian national broadcaster, I saw news of a, of a rugby league team, um, but they were playing in the British league structure, which had obviously teams in England, uh, teams in Wales, and, and some French teams as well. And that was novel. That was, you know, unique. That got my attention right away. Um, the distances, um, and we've talked off, you know, beforehand, we've talked about the, the similarities and distances between Canada, going across Canada and going across Australia. It's, it's, mm -hmm. we live in some big countries. So it wasn't that big of a deal thinking people flying from London to Toronto. That's depending on the direction you're going. That's a six, seven hour flight, not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that we were in, a British league because most of our teams, most of Canada's teams are either in Canadian leagues or they're in North American leagues with Canadian and American teams. So this that was new. So I started following it on social media and I tried to watch some of the games on um, on the CBC um, feed because they took some they, they filmed the games in the in England. And I loved what I saw. The game was uh, to me was easy to follow. Um, you know, six tackles, that's not hard to figure out. You could you could watch it. The ref calls were pretty loud. You could make it, you know, it, it was clear what was happening. There were nuances that you'd pick up um, over time because every game has something new happen. It'd be like, what, what was that? But the ref would explain it. And then, again, I was chatting on social media and somebody in my city uh, reached out to me and saw that I was interested. Um, and they said, we've got season tickets to, um, to the Wolfpack. We can't go on one particular weekend. Would you like to attend? Uh, and I said, yeah, I'd love to, because um, I actually live in a city called Barrie, which is about 100 kilometers north of Toronto. So for me to drive down to Toronto, it's, depending on traffic, anywhere between uh, 60 and 90 minutes. So um, so he gave me these, these tickets, and I took my wife and my two sons. So the four of us went down, and we had a brilliant time. It... The game in person is so much better when you know when you're there when you're attending when you're when you're with other people. The fans were welcoming. There were lots of people who have a lifetime history with rugby league. Um, there were British expats, there were Aussie expats, and they would explain things. There were also people who played league in Canada in the in the crowd, and they would talk to everybody. Um, and then after the match, what what? really impressed me was we went to the edge of the pitch and all the players went around and um rather than the rather than the fans applauding the players which i see a lot of it was the players thanking the fans for coming out and asking them are you going to come out next week you know bring your son next week we'd love to see you come so they were openly recruiting in a way but that that got my youngest son. My youngest son was thrilled. The fact that these athletes were asking him to come back, he, he was like pulling up my shirt, saying, "Dad, Dad, can we come back next week?" So I said, "Yes, we can." So um, did it feel so, sorry, mate? Uh, but did it feel genuine? Is that what you th think sort of got you in as well? That it felt genuine the way they were um, extending the hand to you, essentially. Absolutely. It was it was a firm handshake. It was eye contact and it was sincere. Uh, I mean, and I can even tell you the names of the players who said that one in particular was Dan Fleming. Um, and, and and he was like, he was basically saying, we really hope you like what we're doing here. Please come out and support us again. You know, we'd love to see fans come out. And and it was genuine. And I've spoken to the man since that time I've been to his uh, his uh 
I guess it's like a cafe, restaurant, bakery that he runs in Halifax in Yorkshire. And I've spoken to him mm -hmm. there as well. A good man. And, mm -hmm. and other players came along as well and said the same thing. You know, um, Alexander really loved um, Fui Fui Moi Moi. That was his favorite player. Oh, okay. in the yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, I've heard rumors he might have played for Parramatta at one point. In time. Is that true? <laughs> his name, his name still echoes in the stadiums to this to this day, mate. Yeah. They used to, you know what, Nicholas? I'll tell you a quick story. When he first started playing, they used to think, "Are they booing him?" Because everyone would yell from the crowd, "Boo, boo!" <laughs> like that. And the opposition used to think, "Are they?" They come to Paris Stadium and think, "Are they booing him?" And it's like there was a term of endearment. But yeah, we love "foo foo," mate. Best. <laughs> to like a couple he he lived around the fairfield area so which is not far from Parramatta, and a couple of boys would know where he lives and he he'd just have like uh, all these kids running around he's got like a million thongs out the front you know typical yeah. Flip -flops, yeah. Flip -flops, Flip -flops, yeah. sorry <laughs> oh okay now that mm. makes a big difference because a thong type <laughs> from is something entirely yeah. different uh, um, i mean i i wouldn't say anything if he wore thong you know it's bigger than you might get a, a laugh out of this. It's that um, because um, Lamport Stadium, where the Wolfpack played out of, was built uh, quite a while ago, um, it's it, it's not like a top-notch stadium. It's like a secondary stadium in many, many ways. It only holds 10,000. It's like a community stadium. So the players' dressing room was on one side of the, of the pitch, but the showers were on the other side. So after they went into the change room at the end of every game, they'd get into their budgie smugglers and their towels, and they'd walk across the pitch after the match to go to the showers. So... Uh -huh. There'd be plenty of people sticking around. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I female <laughs> crowd interested. <laughs> but not just them. So I got another little okay, yeah, story. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, so there was a there was a um, a small but very vocal crowd of of um, uh, of gay supporters. And so some of them had some some signs, and one sign that sticks in my mind with this mm. one supporter was, "I'm gooey for fooey." That is amazing. I'm glad your podcast is the name of our episode. I'm gooey for fooey. <laughs> oh, I'm glad hilarious. your podcast isn't isn't G-rated and we can say some adult words here because I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, mate. Yeah, go on, mate. Go on. So, so then um, I bought individual tickets after that. Now, now to be fair, there were a lot of free tickets floating around in the first season, but that's that's very very common in North American sports when you've got a team that's just starting up. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be professional lacrosse, women's ice hockey. I mean, the big teams, they don't need to anymore because they've got 50, 70, 100 years behind them. But the new mm -hmm. teams do. So that wasn't a big deal. But then in the second year, in the third year, um, we bought season tickets. Now, it was just me and my youngest son um, because my wife had to work weekends and, and my eldest, you know, grumpy teenager. Uh, <laughs> so... He would come periodically if there was something else happening in Toronto, but then and, and that was fine. I mean, we weren't going to push it. Um, my youngest became a ball runner for the Wolfpack, yes. um, and so we would also make a point of going to all the different team events. We'd drive down when they had to meet the fans. We'd go to that, and and uh, 
uh, it was really nice to be able to talk to the players one on one socially, not in not in the stadium because sometimes it was loud and you couldn't hear very well, but to talk to them as individuals, meet their meet their wives and kids. Mm. This is something that is far more accessible than any other sport in Toronto, which is why there was this real personal connection. Um, and, and it really made you want to keep on coming. And there was a lot of fans who were the in the same boat. They just found this personal connection. And, and it wasn't like it was feeding your ego. It was more that it was like you've genuinely made a friend of someone um, and you want to see them succeed. You want to see the team succeed. And and the and the games were just a big party. Like every game had a different theme. Halftime shows, halftime acts. Um, the mascot was brilliant. Um, the first season, everybody loved the hot dog cannon, which um, <laughs> literally this person would go around with cooked hot dogs wrapped up in this in this high pump thing, and then shoot them into the crowd. <laughs> and, and then that I think that evolved into the t-shirt cannon because I, I you know I don't know why, but that was just awesome. You know, just just. <laughs> Um, and so we kept on going as a result. And and over time, you'd get more and more involved. And as you sort of became known to people, um, they'd, they'd invite you to other things as well. So it was, it was just so much fun. Um, and then I got more involved in other aspects of the sport as well. So starting up a master's team and, and um, you know, helping to support the, the amateur games here. And, and it just so happens that my youngest, who went with me to all the games, because of the Wolfpack, um, he decided he would actually take up playing. Now, he doesn't play league at the moment because there isn't the youth structure. Um, but that is in development. I was just talking to the president of Canada Rugby League a couple of weeks ago, and he said they want to develop an under um, an under seventeens men's or boys national team. And he saw that my son um, now plays rugby union, but he knows he's really passionate about league. Would he be interested in trying out? So I casually called my son over and I said, "Hey, you know, this is what this gentleman has said. Are you interested?" He exploded. He was just like, yes, oh, that would be the best, Dad. That's so awesome. <laughs> so so that's basically our journey. And, and the journey, you know, I, I'd like to think that the journey is still in its early stages. I think there's a long way to go, and I want to see the sport build up again. Hopefully, mm. we'll get um, you know qualification into the Rugby League World Cup. That's yeah. going to be a lot of work. Mm. And, and hopefully, we get professional, um, professional teams again. The Wolfpack mm. itself... As a brand isn't dead, but there is a second iteration of the team using the same name. Uh, the second group bought the rights to the name and to the branding. It's not the same entity, but they but they have this, the rights to use that. And so they're largely uh, a semi-pro team. The players are getting some um, pay, and they're they're developing. We think they're working towards uh, playing in an American league. We're not hundred percent sure on that. Last year really was their first season of of playing some some exhibition games um so rugby league isn't gone in ontario in toronto um but we think with work um and a lot of goodwill from a lot of um uh, positive people it can improve and get better yeah it's sad um 
that and I guess just hearing your story it's sad because obviously when the Wolfpack first started we were quite excited because it was a different just something different for rugby league to experience and as you were just saying about the tailgate party in Vegas like a lot how many Australians like have never experienced yeah. that like I'd love to be going um, just to experience like a different uh, sporting culture you know that we potentially may not ever have but just to have something yeah. different would be cool, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, we, we always talk about how, how we can try to grow the game um, and how to get more bumps on seats over there. Nicholas, um, can I ask you, in, in, in your opinion, as being a rugby league lover and fan, um, and obviously the NRL over here is probably the pinnacle of, NRL, of rugby league, um, what do you think the Australian Rugby League can do um, to help the sport grow in Canada just alone? Okay, there's a few things that they can they can do to help. Um, one of the first things is we have to have a pathway to the Rugby League World Cup. Now, we did beforehand, but that was taken away. That is something that is needed to motivate players to, to take part. Because if there isn't a professional league that they can take part, if there's no career, let's say, career pathway for them, then the way to draw players in is to say, you could represent your country on the international stage. You could play for, for Canada. If they don't have that, then what exactly are they playing for except for the love of the game? And if they've never played the game before, um, it's it's kind of hard to convince somebody 16, 17, 18 years old who's probably been focused on another sport to try this one if there's no real pathway forward or there's no real carrot at the end for them to for them to aim towards so definitely that needs to be um, available um, now Canada Rugby League I know is trying very hard to get the status uh, that is required to qualify for the Rugby League World Cup but to do that in Canada because it's not it's not an officially recognized sport here as of yet it has to be played in a certain number of, of provinces it has to be played by a certain number of, of people it has to be played by men and women and youth and older players as well. It's got to be sport for all. So when the when the um, Canada Rugby League Association makes their presentation to the government to get accreditation, they have to have all their numbers and they have to be able to show, here's the five or more provinces we play at. This is the number of players we have in this and have in that. Once they get that accreditation, that opens up government funding to help support amateur sport at all levels. So that's a chicken and egg thing. Mm. That money would be really handy to get the sport built up but you can't get that money until you get the sport built up enough to earn the money yeah, yeah. so so now we need people to to join it we need people to who want to play and so a rugby league world cup the potential even if even if it's just a pipe dream even if you're so far down in the rankings it's highly unlikely you'll qualify you still need to have that option that potential yeah. right yeah, yeah. and and we know in terms of uh, in terms of um, who qualifies qualifies for the national team, you can have players who play um, for Canada based on their heritage. There's multiple Australian players who have yeah. Canadian grandparents, like um, Reese and Riley Jacks. Both of them have played for Canada. Love to have them be able to um, you know take Canada to the world stage, mm -hmm. and they can come and they can play with the other guys, and they can share their skills, they can share their experience, and they can they can teach. Um, that would be fantastic to have. But why are Reese and Riley and some of the other guys going to fly over and play for Canada when it's just, where's it yeah. going? Yeah. 
So that's, that's one uh, thing that could be done. I mean, obvious, obviously, everything costs money, but then, yeah. You, you can't you can't go around to international organizations with your hand out all the time saying mm -hmm. just give us money give us money you've got to have a plan you've got to be able to say if you give us this money here's what we're going to put it towards here's what we're building yeah. so canada rugby league i know right now is working on coming up with um, a solid cohesive plan behind the scenes to develop youth mm -hmm. teams to develop the women's team and that's something else that i and and um I really um, love the fact, Achilles, that, that you're a strong proponent of the women's game, because how can any sport miss 50% of the population if you focus only on men? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we've, we've seen and proved it, like, as the years gone by, especially last year, I think it was the best year for the WNRL. Um, and it's it, it, they got rewarded with like extra games, extra money, mm. um, extra extra series on the state of origin. So I, we we got robbed last year of like just only two origins when the you know they were great. There should have been there should have been a third game, but again, like the game needs the game needs to grow slowly and sort of evenly too. But yeah, absolutely right when it comes to women's sport. Um, you know, there's a fifty percent market there, and like. It's for the younger generations too. You know, my daughter's a bit young, uh, is young too, and she she loves watching the women play. She um she'd rather much rather watch that than than um than the men's because she it, it doesn't feel out of reach for them. Mm. You know, like she yes. she will see someone doing it and say, oh, I, I think I can do that. You know, and like um the average the average player now, like if you rewind back like five ten years ago, the average uh, women's player was uh, like 20, 25, 30 plus. Now they're on their teens. So it's like the, the, you can see it's, it's it's coming down through the um, sort of juniors and the and the core group of them are coming up through and sort of inspiring the next generation of girls. So it's beautiful to see. Well, then keeping that in mind, if um, Australian clubs were to say, "Hey, we've got a spot. We'd be willing to take on a developmental player." Maybe not from Canada, maybe from the United States, maybe from Jamaica, maybe from any other place as well where they're trying to build the game and say, come over here, we can get you, you know, the, the work permit, the visa for a year, get you a part-time job, you know, you can stay in a, in a shared accommodation, but your real focus will be you'll come out, you'll practice, you'll play, you'll learn and you'll take it back um to your own to your own teammates back in your home country. That would be fantastic as well, because our, our season over here is remarkably short and players need mm -hmm. game time players yeah. have yeah. got to get out on the pitch like having mm -hmm. a six or an eight game season due to the weather is not yeah. enough to really yeah would you suggest um throwing more like if, if the nrl sort of through more coaching clinics and and bring more like professionals over to rugby league and you know sort of just throw like you know maybe we have like the um the indigenous comp down here they do like a like a two-week tournament so maybe something like on similar paths to that just to help to grow the game and like you said like you know if there was a two-week tournament there with all like you know um everyone in canada and even bring some teams over there over here just to show the differences in the game and sort of teach them a little bit and it, it'll be great for you know guys over there to play with some nrl players over here so some sort of development like that could you know help potentially grow the game Absolutely. And and here's something you, that a lot of people don't think of, but we desperately need as well. Not just coaching clinics. We need referee clinics. We need officials mm, to run these games because no ref, no game. Mm. So uh, that that brings me to um, a kind of a, a, a sad or disappointing story um, that happened in the past year. So the, the Wolfpack were playing a game against uh, a touring American side 
And it happened to be on the same day as the Ontario Ospreys, which is a women's team, were also playing. They were playing a, a touring American side, a different American side, across town. Uh, They're both down in Toronto, but one was in the north end of Toronto, one was in the in the by the lake shore. So you're looking at 30, 35 minutes apart drive. But the same ref played, ran both games. The same match crew ran both games. So they did the women's game. They didn't have time to cool down. They didn't have time to restretch. They got in their vehicles. They came down and they did the Wolfpack game. And partway through the second half, um, the ref uh, went down like he was shot because wow. he ruined his um, his calf. His calf, he tore it. Ah. So he's out. So now one of the linesmen comes on. And by the way, the ref and the linesman who, the, who came on to replace him, both originally from Australia. Uh, came on and he did he did the ref. I was um I was the uh, interchange official um because oh. that really doesn't require any any knowledge it just means yeah. you know you're you're basically the traffic cop. Mm. Well, I got recruited now I had to run the touch on the other side and oh, I had no uh, Following that that ref who replaced him was also injured as a result of having to do both games. So <laughs> So the Wolfpack reached out to um, one of the other match officials, a friend of mine, Ray, and said, do you know anybody who could possibly do this? Um, because we don't, if we don't have refs, we can't have a game. And so Ray uh, contacted me and said, reach out to your masters, all, all the guys who are over 35, who there has coaching qualifications, who there can do it. So the timekeeper, me as the interchange, the ref and the other linesmen were all masters who were only in the in the game because of our uh, connection through the Wolfpack. Like we we formed as a team because the wolf the original Wolfpack was here, so they were drawing on us in order for their continuing games to happen. That that's not to praise us. That's more to show the weakness that we have here that we need to have magic. Mm. Right? If you're relying on guys, I'm I'm 55. Yeah. You're relying mm. on me to run the touchline of a professional game. That's not a good I think sign. Matthew would touch on it before about like our referees here have to go through a grueling sort of um, off season too. So not only not only do our professional NRL players do, but like to make it as a touch judge and or a referee here, you've got to go through some off season really hard training. You know, I think was it Bill Harrigan that sort of brought it first? Or? Yeah, they're yeah. very their lifetimes like are ridiculous. They sort of do sort of CrossFit training, but their times are, are pretty crazy. Um, I know, like obviously other games, people give them some stick, you know, as <laughs> a referees, but they're very fit. Mm. Um, nowadays, but it makes sense you mentioned that because I think people probably would look at it as a whole in Canada and just think, oh, you need players. But as you said, officials yeah. are as important to keep it to keep the game running as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, we need coaches because if we're going to start up teams, they yeah. need to be led and taught properly. But if you're going to have games, you've got to have those match officials, and even if it's just mm. the refs, even if you you know. You add the touchies on later on, but you need to have a ref who knows the rule. And you need standardized rules. So in Canada, what are we going to use? Are we going to use Australian rules or are we going to use UK rules? Are they exactly the same? There are some differences. Yeah, 
True. Matt, well, our, one of our co-hosts, Matt Gardner, he thinks that whatever we do in Australia that's illegal, come, uh, England start copying, so he blames us for all the illegal tactics, mate. <laughs> he says the Aussies started, he says you Aussies are a bit more into cheating than us, so we started and then it goes over there, but it's a fair point. Yeah, What? Um, there's a lot of things structurally that have to be done, isn't there? But I think, like, we've chatted about it, the World Cup going down the teams going down is definitely a negative or I think um, a step backwards because as you said if you don't have that carrot to dangle it's just not going to get more people involved and then in the year 2000 the World Cup um, there were 16 teams and then the next World Cup they're going back down to you know the 10 so it's like it's it, to me it's madness really but um, so I'm glad I've never you seen a that. league I, I've never seen any healthy sport reduce the number of participants yeah right if a league if a league contracts that's not usually because they're in a, a position of financial strength and for a world cup to contract to get smaller i've never seen that either yeah yeah i think like uh, like we've mentioned on the podcast, you know, with rugby league, I think it's good to be realistic in terms of like, let's say against um, football, uh, soccer, you know, it's never going to be as big as that. But I do think, yeah, if you had 16 teams in the year 2000, as you said, and then you're attracting it, it's like, well, what about that uh, progression that those sides had? And then you're taking them away. It's it, To me, it's crazy. Um, I think too, rugby league needs to just say to the fans or the public, listen, some short-term um, pain is going to be long-term gain. And, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, Nicholas, you're going to see that, mate, being involved in rugby league. But there's a lot of short-term thinking. Yeah. It, happens a lot. it happens a lot, yeah. I saw some fascinating stuff today, just, just recently. I'd be interested in hearing your take on it because someone suggested that Super League might – sorry – and the NRL might be interested in buying the English Super League. Uh, I've been, I've seen a couple ex um, Australians say that. Uh, my thoughts on that. I think it would be a positive just because, um, just because I think with with the NRL owning the Super League, you sort of have it under one umbrella. Yeah. The, the only problems I can foresee is NRL completely obviously taking over and then English officials feeling like they're not being heard. Yeah. That's that's probably my only um, sort of, or the only disadvantage, I think, yeah. with that. But I, I do think being under one umbrella might actually help even with the international game because right now you have sort of all different parties and it's hard to get everyone to agree or come together. So actually it might, in a funny way, it might, even though it's a club competition, it might help um, just bring everything together. What's your thought? Yeah, Achilles? absolutely. And like, I love that you touched upon about their um, international games like if if it's all under one umbrella then we can get the timings of the international you know the more the more internationals are playing like you said um, the more that we can house and host and you know they have to get permissions of one or the other different codes it's all underneath one so um, I'm, I'm all for the growth of the game 
Um, it's just would be that one little sort of negative that Maddie touched upon about like the officials probably, you know, if it's an Australian brand, then like it might just like they might feel like being like left left out sort of thing. So, but um, I'm, they're pretty professional that way. So, um, yeah, all for the growth. And hopefully if it does happen, we can see more international games on the world stage. And can I tell you, Nicholas, as well, you're not going to like this, mate, but um, when I was over, so when I was staying in London um, and I was going to the Challenge Cup final, so Wembley, uh, I asked like an English fan about the Toronto Wolfpack. I said, oh, why, why is there any, any, um, I guess you know negativity towards them being in the competition and that you know this uh, older English gentleman was like oh because they can't even you know uh, deal with Featherstone or like these other uh, these other places so I do find with rugby league it can be very like in your own bubble but I mean if we don't grow if we started doing this growth say 20 years ago then who knows where we'd be like in Canada America but so I think that's yeah that sort of um, feeling of being in your own bubble of not wanting to grow might it does hurt rugby league so I think yeah that might be another issue you're going to have uh, northern Englishmen sort of saying oh Australians are trying to take over for example too but um, can I ask you Nicholas as well do you have a NRL team yet mate? <laughs> um, I have to say uh, yeah <laughs> I'm looking at your jersey and it says Parramatta. What a delightful yeah, yeah. jersey that is. <laughs> I feel, mate, you know what? We could say go for Parramatta, but if you want a team to actually give you premierships, mate, <laughs> watching our Roosters, maybe stick with the go with the Roosters, mate, because yeah. they've won uh, they've won a few in the last, you know, five in the last twenty years. So, <laughs> I, honestly, I I I'm pretty wide open to that. I mean, yeah. as of right now, I just love watching. The games. I love watching the NRL, and I've, I've always loved to support the underdog. Um, but not so much so that I'm willing to say Wests, but I do like to support the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, um, a former Wolfpack um, coach, um, Mc- Brian McDermott, he's an assistant coach, I believe, at Newcastle. Mm. Yeah. So, so for now, we'll say just because Brian McDermott's there, I'm I've got a, a soft spot for Newcastle. But you know, what? I, like okay. I said, I, I support the underdogs. Yeah, yeah. Can we um, before we go, Nicholas? So we're running out of time, but we've loved our chat. But can we give you the um, old uh, question from the millions and millions of uh, weekly offload fans? So uh, for yourself, Nicholas, the question we'd like to ask is: Where do you see the growth of uh, Canadian rugby league headed? I know you've chatted about it briefly, but yeah, if we could, if we could expand on that before you go. Okay, so it's a whole series of steps that have to fall in line, but what my my vision is, um, is that we're going to get a plan put in place that's going to get youth involved in the sport, it's going to get women, it's going to get men, it's going to get older players as well. From that, we are going to be able to go to the Canadian government and say, look, we tick all the boxes, can we qualify for... Um, national status as a sport, which we will get, I believe we'll get, and then that will open up the funding and then we'll grow from there. And when that happens, the Rugby League World Cup will have altered in some way or will qualify and that will 
continue on the growth. So I see grassroots going up. I also see the Toronto Wolf Pack, the, the current iteration of it, joining a league, and that is going to assist us in recruiting people. If we can have a professional or semi-professional team for people to focus on, people to support, they're going to see it, they're going to fall in love with Rugby League just like I did, and they're going to want to take part. That team inspires kids to play, and that is our future. Great, mate. Before you go as well, can we have um, a tip? So you're going to Manly and South and Roosters and Broncos. So give us give us your tip for that two games, mate. Okay, one of my one of my teammates is a diehard Bunny supporter. <laughs> so 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 remind me is is Bunny are Bunnies playing Souths? Oh, sorry, are they playing? Uh, yeah, South Sydney. Manly, you know, bunnies. So South Sydney are bunnies, and they're playing uh, Manly Seagulls. Okay, then because he's a diehard bunny supporter, it's Manly's going to win that one. <laughs> and then, and then for the other one, um, I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of of um, Brisbane. The Broncos. Okay. okay. Yeah, nice. So Broncos winning. And then, uh, mate, we've never had a Canadian say our catchphrase just to finish off too. So could you say we've taken a load off for this week? Absolutely. We've taken a load off for this week. Thanks, Nicholas. Excellent. Thank you, mate. Appreciate oh, it. Don't forget, when Parramatta comes to Las Vegas, I want yes. you guys out there and we're going to keep those Masters festivals going. We're going to have more teams. England, Wales, and Ireland have all indicated they'd like to come play in future. You guys, once you reach age, um, you're already there, Achilles, I'm pretty sure. Uh, once you Achilles, reach mate, Achilles is actually 67. It's just an Asian background. That's all. You're, you're a gorgeous man for 67, Achilles. Just before you go, mate, yeah. um, is, is there anything you'd like to shout out or... Uh, or anyone that, that any way that anyone can help you um, help the Canadian Rugby League, you know, sort of, um, yeah, if they want to donate money or sort of like try to help you guys in any way, how can I reach out to you and sort of help the Canadian Rugby League um, sort of help grow? Well, the 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 Wolverines uh, are reaching out for fundraising to help get their players to Las Las Vegas to play against uh, the United States, and that's going to be an ongoing issue. If they'd like to donate, they can contact me, and I will give them the name of the person to to reach out to with Canada Rugby League. If players are older and they are on a Masters team, um, we would love to host people to come up to Canada because again, tours to come to us get us to um it gives us something to to promote in the community and gets more players so if we could have people who are interested in coming to play masters come and do that if people want to support the national teams reach out to me i am happy to connect them to the the national teams themselves to to help provide the funding awesome mate. that's great thanks Bye for everybody. coming on nicholas thanks nicholas